Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. As you hear our show, just know that you've been prayed for. Know that every day before we start the show, I pray that something we say today on the air will cause you to look at your job differently, that it'll cause you to look at the way you connect what you hear on Sunday with what you do on Monday through Friday or whatever your work hours are, that you understand the connectedness between them, that you understand that your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you, me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. The job that you hold, the work that you do, the people that you work with, none of that is by chance. Those people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus, and you may be their only chance. You know, everybody wonders if their job has meaning and purpose. We all wonder if they're, if we're just there to obtain a paycheck. There has to be more. There's got to be more. There has to be an answer as to why I am here, why I am doing what I do. Today, we take a brand new look at the job that you hold and the work that you do. John Van Sloten joins us today in our workroom as we talk about his latest book, Every Job a Parable. See how your job tells a story, a parable, which in turn tells us about God. John Van Sloten, welcome to I Work for Him. So let's just take, I mean, I, I, there are so many great corollaries between jobs and, and stories about God, but let's just start with the electrician. Your electrician, Corey, I believe was his name. Yep. Talk about what we can learn about God from what an electrician does. Yeah. Um, an electrician, I learned. Um, it often starts with a question. Uh, most of these vocational interviews, uh, research, exegetical meetings, the question is, what do you love about what you do? What's just right, Corey, when, you, when you're working on a site and, and, uh, and, and you're just having a blue ribbon, blue ribbon electrician day, uh, what, what's it for you? And he said, uh, yeah, for me, it's, you know, when you've done all your wiring, wiring, you've got all the receptacles in, the lights are in, the building is done, the power is to the building, and you flip that switch for the first time and the lights come on and you see this beautiful new carpet that the carpet layers have laid and the paint on the walls and the furniture... The whole place just sort of sings, and he's a singer, so he went, ah, in that moment of the light having the power to illumine the goodness of creation, reality, uh, was a profound one for him. In the moment he finished saying all of that, another electrician who was in the room jumped and he says, well, I like that too. He says, but what I like is when you bring the wiring to a big overhead crane in an industrial type application. And that crane is beautifully engineered and I admire those engineers who designed it, but it's not moving anywhere until I bring that wire to that thing. And then all of a sudden you see it humming along that beam and moving that product. To me, that is just the moment for me as an electrician. And as I heard them both, say that. I was reminded of the God who is the God who brings the energy of his spirit to creation, who breathed into the dust in order to bring to life humanity. Um, The God who is an energizing force that allows a thing to fully be itself um, so that 
the world can flourish, so that humanity can have a home, so that life can be as it should be. So this this idea of connecting power to a thing uh, so that it can be more itself was a profound one for me. And through those electricians, I you know thought a little bit more about uh, the God who does exactly that by his spirit. I, I actually quoted in that sermon uh, from the Genesis passage where God created the light and the night, and then uh, he called the light day and and the darkness night, except I uh, uh, paraphrased it a bit and said, and, and he called the light on and the night off. And uh, in a way, electricians uh, kind of retell uh, a bringing of light and energy to the world story every day when they do their work. What can we learn about God from an automotive mechanic? Um, well, one of the things that comes to mind, as I think back to that meeting with with Paul uh, from Tony's Auto here in Calgary, uh, he talked about um, he talked about how when he fixes cars, he can often go into uh, the front seat of a car and turn turn the key, start the engine, and uh, and he's listening. And uh, I remember him saying he can actually feel through his feet how the engine, how the pistons are hitting and how that engine is running. And uh, so he's diagnosing with his ears and he's, you know, uh, thinking through what the customer has said about what's not working properly. But when he talked about being able to uh, know what was wrong through his feet, (laughs) I, for the first time uh, in my uh, life, thought about different ways of knowing truth. Um, uh, I, you know, as I grow up in a church and, you know, going to your catechism classes and memorizing your Bible verses, it was all a fairly academic and rational um, uh, thing, this this faith of mine, but um, and a way of knowing. But this guy could know from because of how it smelled and how it felt through his feet. And I started to think about us embodied human beings who God made, right? What does it mean for a mechanic to know as he's kind of turning the wrench and, and, and adjusting an old-school carburetor uh, with a screwdriver, yeah, to know when that engine has fallen into sync, even as he's listening at the same time, even as he's kind of smelling and aware bodily of what's going on. So that mechanic, um, when we preach that, uh, brings uh, mechanical truth, automotive uh, restoration. He was a, a parable of automotive restoration. And yes, he wanted to help that that person have a vehicle so their life can flourish, and he's an honest and ethical guy and does his work with integrity. But the actual work itself was the surprise for him. I, I know God when I'm good at fixing things, um, which I'm not good at fixing, and so maybe I appreciated him more because of that. Jim, this is so important for the mechanic who, you know, may not be academically oriented, maybe, but um, I, I just Last week, I was uh, I was walking home in, in front of my house, and a guy across the street, who I'd met a month before, he he was fixing a big machine in the alley, and I'd met him, and we started to talk about his work, and he was he could fix anything. He he couldn't read. He had a learning disability. He never learned how to read. I'm not good at book learning, he said, but he could fix anything. And we had this great conversation, and at the end of the conversation, I give him a copy of my book. Wait for it, and uh, he accepts it, and and then he goes home. His wife reads the entire book to him uh, 
And then he reads the section which uh, talks about what we're talking about here, that there are human beings who are made, who, who may not be able to do anything academically or excel in those areas, but who can look at a problem, a physical brokenness in a machine in the world, and they just know how to fix it. They can translate a solution from their brains through their arms to their hands to those tools and, and bring that thing back to life and, and bring restoration. And, and that speaks of God in all kinds of powerful ways. God doesn't just heal us through a doctrinal understanding of who Jesus is. God, God heals us through how Christ brings restoration to all things and revelations on making all things new. God is planning on making everything new in the way it should be. And so when a guy can do what that guy does, he's like God in that particular way. Let's just really quick hit a couple of other ones. Let's just go to the hairstylist. Let's jump right there. Because she said an amazing thing. When, when She said one of the most powerful things. When people sit in her chair and they say, what do you want me to do? They say back to her. Go ahead. I'll let you fill in the blank. Um, yeah. Do what you think needs to, I'm going to paraphrase here, I don't have it in front of me, but what? yeah, do do what you need to be done because I trust you. Right. Um, make, make, okay, so I hear that, right? And, and you know, for years I sat there and I've gone to get my hair cut because I, I feel a bit more myself when she cuts it the way she does and she reshapes it and takes away all of the things that are looking disproportionate and out of control. And, uh, you know, I go, we go to a hairstylist in order to be made aesthetically new. And, you know, there are problems with an over-focus on that. But innately, it's good that we are made new and that we're cleaned and cleaned up um, in a hairstylist salon uh, chair. Um, we go there and she uses sharp objects near my eyes, you know, and I really do trust her um, uh, with my aesthetic and, and, and my look and, and, and my look in terms of how it defines who I am. And how can all of those uh, image-bearing um, ways of being, vocationally being, not be pointers to a God who I'm called to trust, I'm called to sit in this chair and let him make me new. Um, a God who knows uh, my shape and, and what would be best for me and my color and what would fit best. You know, and I'm sort of playing between the hair, a hairstylist and, and spiritual matters. But um, when she does what she does, she's acting in God-like ways, making people new. And, yeah, when she heard that and and, and she constantly hears people say, I trust you. I mean, they come, some customers, she says, come in, they're just in a tizzy. I don't know what to do. You've got to fix this. Um, do whatever you think. Uh, to me, that's a coming to Jesus moment, <laughs> hairstylist-wise. And, uh, and she, she takes it that way and, uh, and has found a kind of new sacredness with every, with every cut in her work. She sold uh, eight books through her salon in the last month, um, telling people about the idea of, of God being present in her work, but also in all the other jobs that the book talks about. And I think that's an important point in all of this. You can know God in your job through that unique way you image God, but you can also know God through all the other workers that surround you. Your right, life. You, you highlight nephrologists, janitors, judges, accountants or auditors, emergency room medical professionals, firefighters, labor negotiators, Edward the towel folder, and we'll talk about that in a minute, the farmer, the server, restaurant server, so many of these things. Talk to me about Edward and his towel folding experience with you. 
Okay. Well, my editor, as he's, uh, we're working our way through the book, he goes, okay, this is all nice. You've picked all of these jobs, but what about the disabled? And then he writes in an email, what about a person with Down syndrome? And he, of course, had no idea that I have a son, a 25-year-old son with Down syndrome, part of the God's calling process into the ministry for me. And I thought, oh, my, <laughs> yeah, I should include a person with Down syndrome. Every job, even a volunteer job done by a disabled boy uh, at the local YMCA, even that is a parable. And so we went swimming one day to the, to the Y where Edward volunteers, and as we're paying to get in, Edward takes off down a back hallway, and he takes a whole bunch of turns. I have no idea where he's taking off to. But he's running to the laundry in the bowels of that building where there are a couple of staffers who, when I finally catch up, they're greeting Edward, and they're, you know, he, I can see he has friends, and he has a real job. He's pulling towels out of the dryers, and he's folding them, and he's folding them fast, and he's, he's, he won't even lift his head. He is just doing his job, and he's showing off to his dad how good of a worker he is, and I cannot tell you, as the father of a child with a disability, how proud I felt of my son in that moment, right? And there were tears coming down my face as my boy, who struggled to do a lot of things in his life, was showing me what he could do. And I thought for a moment then, looking back on that, that surely this is how God feels about all of our work. He's, he's proud. He's proud of you doing your radio show. He's proud of your listeners doing the thing they do. I mean, Edward was just folding towels. And if a mere human sinful father like me could feel such a compelling love as I did for that work, being done by that worker, then surely the God who made us all feels that for all of us, whatever work we do. Talk to us about what we can learn about God from the server. Okay, the reason I endear them is because I have been uh, woefully unaware and, um, and, and, and looked down upon. And I was that customer who just had to have it right and complained when it wasn't perfect. And, uh, I mean, this is my, my nature was that way. And somehow, for, for me, that I was my worst with servers, right? If people wanted to go out and get a free meal because something went wrong, they'd invite me because I'd find something. I mean, what a horrible person who would, who would be that way. And so when my daughter uh, was a late teen and she started serving, um, she began to teach me about the nature of the work and how difficult that work is. And you're on your feet all day and you're running from the kitchen to the table and you're trying to anticipate people's needs. And, you're, and she just unpacked all of the, the scope of work. And, and then I, th- I saw through this serving nature all kinds of attributes of a serving nature of God and Christ and so, you know, the server's the image of God who takes good things from, from God's kitchen and, and brings it to our table. Um, and, 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 and everything started to change for me, and I started to tip. I started to tip generously as a result of that. And so, yeah, seeing God in the server, which is one of those jobs, yeah, maybe not always esteemed in our culture, um, it, it proved to be one of those smaller jobs that, in fact, exemplified and imaged God in, in the most profound ways. Jesus is a serving Jesus. He did wash his disciples' feet. He did serve them at the meal. Uh, he served them with his life, um, bringing God's goodness uh, to them. So every time you're served, today, if you're going out to a restaurant and someone is serving you, there's a little parable playing out right there with that person. And if you listened, I think you'd hear Jesus whisper. And then give them a big tip. Uh, That's right, a big tip. It. 
You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at IWorkForHim and online, IWorkForHim.com.